Welcome in to It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. I'm Austin. You can find me on Twitter at RealBirdLawyer. Here with me, as always, is my co-host, Taylor, at Taylor underscore Wit. Taylor, what's going on? It's Monday night, baby. It's Monday night. We're doing a little half episode, a little uh, quick preview with the turnaround with Thursday coming up, and uh, I'm excited to talk a little Chiefs Chargers. We're brought to you, as always, by Sports Illustrated's Arrowhead Report, which you can find at si.com slash NFL slash Chiefs and on Twitter at Arrowhead Report. And our friends at the Pigskin Podcast Network, you can find them on Twitter at PigskinPodNet. You can get your official Always Sunny and Chiefs Kingdom merchandise through our friends at DabBodT, DabBodT.com, or on Twitter at DabBodT. Taylor, you mentioned it already. Cat's out of the bag. It's Monday. We usually do not record on a Monday, and we're not going to talk about the Chiefs beating the absolute hell out of the Raiders. Tonight, we are going to talk about that later this week. Probably going to talk about it on Friday. We're going to record a little bit strangely this week because the Chiefs are playing a game in three days on Thursday Night Football for control of the AFC West against the Los Angeles Chargers in Los Angeles. That's what we're going to talk about tonight because if we waited until Wednesday, which is our usual podcast recording night, you'd have to bang that out. You'd edit it. You'd get it out, you know, Wednesday at midnight. People would wake up. Maybe they get it. Maybe they don't. And then, you know, by the time they listen to the podcast, all of our takes are fried. They're cooked. Well, our takes would still be legitimate and amazing, but it's just we wouldn't have final scores. We wouldn't have exactly how much we kicked the Chargers ass. So, you know, we didn't want to make our uh, our show sound like we didn't know what we were talking about. So we're going to wait. We're going to do it on Friday. We'll figure out what happens with the Chargers game, and then we'll talk about both the Raiders and the Chargers. Hopefully two big AFC West victories for the Chiefs. Yeah, if the Chiefs win this game, they pretty much lock up the AFC West. They will lock up a playoff spot more. I mean, it'll be like a 99.9% chance if they win this game against the Chargers. So obviously the implications are what they are. We know they're huge. The Chiefs are currently one game ahead of the Chargers in the standings. They're one game up. The Chargers, however, do hold the head-to-head. And if the Chargers win this game, they will own the head-to-head tiebreaker of the Chiefs. Point blank, bar none, out, they'll, they'll own the head-to-head 2-0 over the Chiefs. They'll be in first. So, unless the Chiefs finish with a better record than the Chargers and the Chargers schedule after this week is baby shit soft. This is it. If the Chiefs win this game, they will be two up. They will also, the tiebreaker then will go to, I think, division record. And the Chiefs actually do have a better division record than the Chargers. They have dropped another division game already to the Broncos. And so the Chiefs would just have to win win out their division games. If they finish with the same record with the Chargers, they would own the tiebreaker. This game's for all the marbles. It is. Chargers have Texans, Broncos, and Raiders left. So, I mean, this is it. This is their this is their Super Bowl. And, you know, we've said this time in and time out with the Chiefs, especially in the Mahomes era, that every team is going to give the Chiefs their best shot. And the Chargers know that with all their chartering that they've done over the last few years, they've still put themselves in a position at 8-5 and five to be able to, to beat the Chiefs one time at home and lock up a top four seed in the AFC and and position themselves really well for the playoffs. So they know that everything's riding on the line here. And the Chiefs are still the team in the AFC that everyone is trying to get around. I know the Chargers already knocked them off earlier in the year, but until the Chiefs are dead, everyone's going to keep coming for them. Now, Taylor, before we get into some of the news and notes surrounding this game and the goings-on that we kind of need to talk about with this game, you have uh, you've put together a little retrospective, a sort of how did we get here for the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, and I'd like you to just kind of walk me through yep. how the Chargers got to this point. They are eight and five, and boy, it has been a, a wild ride. Yeah, as it as is tradition with the Chargers. I mean, they never do anything you know with uh, just a normal pace. They're always 
crazy wild charging it up. And this has been no different. So this is just a quick charger season at a glance for anybody that doesn't really remember how their season's gone. Uh, week one, they barely beat the football team 20 to 16. Washington actually had a late lead, a three point lead with 12 minutes left. And Herbert threw a pick at the Washington four yard line, but Washington course, immediately fumbled on their first play. The chargers punched it in a couple plays later. Washington punted on fourth and 12 from the charger 45 with six fifty oh. left in the game down four. And the chargers go on to convert four third downs, including a third and 16 to run out the clock, beat the game or beat the Washington football team by four on their first week. So week one chargers one and up week two. Herbert throws two picks, including one at the goal line. The Chargers kicker, kicker of the week, Tristan Vizcaino, they would go on to fire him, doinks a 44-yarder <laughs> off the uprights. Chargers score a late go-ahead touchdown, but have a pre-snap penalty on that touchdown for illegal motion, so they have to kick a field goal. And then Herbert takes an 18-yard sack, and Dallas hits a walk-off 56-yard field goal to win, so they're 1-1. One and one. Oh boy, and that was the first real charging. The they chargered hard on that one. Yeah. Week three, we all remember it. That was the Chiefs game. The Chiefs turned it over on their first three possessions. They still managed to take a late lead. The Chargers had a first and goal at the one, but had another pre-step penalty on a late go-ahead touchdown, and they settled for a game time field goal. Mahomes then with the game tied throws a bad pick with uh, and the Chargers go for it on fourth and four. They then get another pre-snap penalty and have to go for it on fourth and nine. They somehow get a phantom DPI call on fourth and nine, punch it in for a touchdown. Don't get a DPI called on them on a very obvious one on the Hail Mary and they beat the Chiefs 30 to 24 to go to two and one week four they blow out the Raiders 28 14 tell me who in the NFL hasn't blown out the Raiders this year though so I mean they're like the neighborhood bicycle everyone's got to ride (laughs) exactly uh week five their best game of the year uh they beat the Browns 47 42 to move to four and one it was one of the most entertaining NFL games this season for sure Cleveland was up big 27 13 to open the third quarter and 42 35 with 445 to go but Cleveland couldn't get out of their own way the Chargers had three touchdown drives completely extended by Cleveland penalties on third or fourth down. Some of which were very questionable. Cleveland fans were pissed. They were saying that the NFL was rigged. Chargers go on to win the game. They're four and one, but in true charger fashion, the very next week they get blown out by the Ravens 34 to six. So they follow their best game up of the year with their worst, just absolute classic Chargers. They never know who they are, what they're doing. They go on the bye. They come back week eight. They hold a 14-7 lead in Foxborough, but the Patriots then go on a 20-3 run. They take a 10-point lead with two minutes left. A garbage time uh, Chargers touchdown cuts it to three. Not enough. Chargers were pretty much well handled by the Patriots in this. Herbert threw two interceptions, including a big pick six with the Chargers with having a one-point lead with 10 minutes to play. Chargers, after that game, losing to the Patriots, are now 4-3. and three. Week nine, they did beat Philly 27-24 at, in Philadelphia. The Chargers opened the game up. This was very notable with a 15-play, 6-minute and 56-second, 98-yard drive from their own one to the <laughs> Philly one and turnover on downs at the one. So much like what the Broncos absurd. did where they marched all down the field and didn't score, but they went 98 yards, which is obviously tied for, I don't know if anyone else has done it. I'm sure someone else has, but tied for the longest drive you can possibly go on without scoring any pretty cool uh with the game was tied um at fourth and one from the philly 28 with a minute 45 to go so the chargers had the ball tie game in field goal range with a minute 45 to go they had gone one for three on fourth downs earlier in that game but they do not attempt a 45 yard go ahead field goal they sneak with herbert he gets it they kick a walk-off 29 yard field goal five and three on the year week 10 they lose to the vikings 27 20 their offense doesn't really do much They kick a late field goal to cut a 10-point lead to seven, but really didn't play a competitive game. I mean, it was the Vikings. Yeah, Kirk Cousins was dicing them up. So they, after that week 10, bad loss to the Vikings. They are five and four. 
Week 11, this was almost an epic charger. They had a 27 to 10 lead heading into the fourth quarter against Pittsburgh before they gave up 27 points in the fourth quarter alone to go down 37 34. And then Pittsburgh mm. blows coverage on Mike Williams, streaking down the sideline, hits him for a 53 yard touchdown that basically escapes their own stupid fate. And they're six and four. They definitely should have charged that game up, but Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh did up instead. Week 12, they got their asses kicked by the Broncos 28-13 when they were in prime position to take over and to be winning games. They'd be 9-4 and four right now with the Chiefs. Instead, they're 8-5 and because they're idiots, and they lost to the Broncos. So, And that game was not – I mean, they had a, a touchdown very late in that game. I mean, that game was like 28-3 uh, yes. at one point or 28-6 yes. at one point. I mean, the, yes, Broncos, the Broncos dominated blew them. them out, and that's the Broncos. And yeah. then last week, week 13, at the Bengals – their 24 to nothing lead became 24 22. Bengals were driving and then had a dumb fumble that was returned for a touchdown. And the Chargers never really looked back from that, winning 41 22 to go to seven and five on and the then year. Of course, they beat the Giants on Sunday. And well. then the Giants, of course, didn't even have Daniel Jones in their game. They had to start Mike Glennon against the Chargers. Ugh. So, I mean, they were never going to yeah. lose that game anyway. Beat the Giants, go to eight and five, and set up this monster showdown with the Chiefs on Thursday night football. Football fans, I'm sure we'd all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point score. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving away all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TPPN, bet $1 on any team to score, and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer restriction supply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, you talk for a long time, so now it's my blah, turn blah. to talk. Blah, 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 blah. It's my turn to talk now, and I'm going to just talk about a brief history of the Chiefs on Thursday Night Football. Then we're going to talk about the actual game, the X's, the O's. But we got to talk about the Chiefs' history on Thursday Night Football because the Chiefs going on the road to play a division game on Thursday Night Football is not a situation that has gone well for them in the past. Let's just take a little spin down memory lane here. Starting in 2013, Andy Reid's First year in Kansas City, the Chiefs won their first ever Thursday Night Football game under Andy Reid. It was at Philadelphia. It was not a divisional game. They beat the Michael Vick Eagles in Andy Reid's uh, third game in Kansas City to go to 3-0 and in that game. In 2014, this is sort of the first game that makes you nervous when you're looking yeah. at this upcoming matchup on Thursday night in Los Angeles. Chiefs were at Oakland. The Chiefs were in prime position to make the playoffs that year. They would finish 9-7. and the winless Oakland Raiders beat the Chiefs 24 to 20 behind like three carries, two touchdowns, 150 yards or something crazy by Latavius Murray, of all people. The Raiders had not won a game. They beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs end up missing the playoffs by one game. In 2015, at home on Thursday Night Football in week two, this was the last time the Denver Broncos beat the Chiefs. This history is not no. it, it's not good. It's and it, it actually gets worse. So Jamal Charles fumbles late in this game to set up a late score, sends the game to overtime. The Chiefs lose overtime to the Broncos, or excuse me, before overtime in regulation, right? 
Yeah, and regulation. Bradley Roby returned to oh, the, the Jamal Charles fumble with 27 seconds left after the Broncos scored to tie it with 36 seconds left. So I the mean, Chiefs had a seven-point lead with 30 seconds, 36 seconds left to go, and they lost it in regulation. In regulation. It's almost yes, impossible. Yes, yes, it is. But it's Thursday Night Football. It's a division game. Weird stuff happens. In 2016, this is like the lone bright spot here. This was a yeah. game at Arrowhead. The Raiders were contending for the division. The Chiefs and the Raiders would both finish 12-14. and 14 or excuse me, 12 and four in 2016. The Chiefs beat the Raiders in this game, 21 to 13. They went on to win. They won both of their games against the Raiders. And so they won the head-to-head tiebreaker over the Raiders. The Raiders, of course, lost their card in the last game of the year there and then went on to lose their only playoff game like in the last 19 years. Started by uh, Connor Cook. Yeah, started by Connor Cook against the Houston Texans, who I think yeah. started like Tom Savage or somebody. Uh, yeah, correct. It was an outrageously awful quarterback terrible. matchup. This oh, uh, Oakland matchup was the Tyree kill game where uh, he had the punt return and uh, he, they were chanting his name and he had that sure. awesome, are they chanting my name? And he also had a 36 yard touchdown catch from Alex Smith. I mean, he was, sure. Tyree he was doing Tyree kill stuff. Yeah. yeah, that was great. In 2017 chiefs were at Oakland. They lost 31 to 30 on a series of untimed plays penalties in the end zone to extend the end of this game until the Raiders finally broke through, scored a touchdown, won the game by one point. This was a division road game on Thursday Night Football. Again, the history here is not incredible. No. In 2018, the Chiefs were playing a division game again on Thursday Night Football at home against the Chargers. This game featured the return of Eric Berry. We were at this game. We thought Eric Berry's coming back. He's going to fix the defense. Uh-uh. Chiefs mm-hmm. lose on a two-point conversion to Mike Williams, who's wide open in the end zone. Chiefs lose this game 29-28 to to the Chargers. They still end up winning the division again on a tiebreaker over the Chargers, who finished with the same record as the Chiefs that year, but not a good loss for the Chiefs at all. In 2019, the last uh, game the Chiefs played on Thursday Night Football that was not a season opener, Chiefs went to Denver. They won the game 30-6. to That's the good. The bad news is, and this doesn't really have anything to do with Thursday Night Football, but it has to be said, Patrick Mahomes got hurt in this game. His knee was on the side of his leg. We were also at this game. So Mm -hmm. our personal history with Thursday Night Football games the last couple of years has not been good. Of course, last year the Chiefs did open on Thursday Night Football, and they did win that game over the Texans. That doesn't really count as a Thursday Night Football game because obviously neither team is on short rest. But the Chiefs were supposed to play at Buffalo on Thursday Night Football last year. And that game got moved to Monday afternoon due to all the COVID issues that were going on with the Bills in their previous game. Their previous game kind of got pushed back. You know, they kind of decided this is the only fair thing we could do. The Chiefs end up playing their Thursday night football game last year on a Monday afternoon. And they did go to Buffalo and they did beat the Bills pretty convincingly. And I know astute listeners are probably thinking, well, what about the best game in the Alex Smith era, guys? That was on Thursday Night Football as well. But that was also opening week against New England. So the opening week ones, they don't really feel like Thursday night. It's like you've had – it's not a short rest. It's actually extremely long rest. So, you know, not not quite this whole – traveling on a Thursday night, especially to the West Coast for a team that does not live in the West Coast – is insane. And I can't believe that they have a team play on a Sunday and then turn around and lose two hours and get jet lagged and, and travel and play a game within three days. It's just, it's pretty, pretty wild, but uh, the chiefs are going to have to, they're going to have to pull it out because that's what is being asked of them this week. 
Yeah, so let's talk about this game. And before we get into the X's and O's here, the matchups here, we got to talk about the injury situation. And I guess even before we talk about the injury situation, we got to talk about the COVID-19 situation. So 37 players around the league went on the COVID-19 list today, which is a huge number, by far the most in a single day ever in the history of the COVID list. That included, on the Chiefs side, Josh Gordon, who obviously had two catches, was more involved in the offense than he's been since he was acquired. This had a study. Career high in catches for him as a Chief and his first Chiefs touchdown. On the other side, though, the Chargers, left tackle, Rashawn Slater, their first-round draft pick, and a guy who's played 100% of the offensive snaps in every game for the Chargers this season at left tackle, standout, awesome rookie left tackle, tested positive for COVID-19. Both of these guys are vaccinated, and theoretically, if they tested negative tomorrow and Wednesday, or even Wednesday and Thursday, Mm -hmm. they could be activated and play in this game. But considering that they both tested positive today, Monday, that seems prohibitively unlikely. Chiefs are likely without Josh Gordon. Chargers are likely without Rashawn Slater. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, if you've got to take a dive on each side, you definitely would take uh, all all. I'll switch Josh Gordon yes. and Rayshon Slater and scratch them both off. I mean, that's a huge loss for the Chargers, especially going up against a Chiefs defensive line that is cooking. That is absolutely – they pressured Derek Carr the second most times in Derek Carr's career last week. We will talk about that more on Friday. But they've been getting in the backfield. They've been doing their thing. They've been chief fencing it up. And, you know, the Chargers, they've got to be worried sick that the Chiefs defensive line is going to come in on Thursday and wreak havoc once again on Justin Herbert. The Chiefs pressured Derek Carr on 45% of his dropbacks yesterday per pro football focus. Uh, Chris Jones had 10 pressures. Frank Clark had eight. So 18 pressures just between those two guys. Since week eight, Chris Jones leads the NFL in pressures. He has 39. Frank Clark ranks fifth. He has 28. Unbelievable. So those two guys, plus we haven't even mentioned Melvin Ingram, who obviously has been awesome, got his first sack on two weeks ago, and then he had another sack this past week or contributed to another sack this past week against the Raiders. I mean, this defensive line is playing at an elite level right now. It's one of the best defensive lines in the NFL right now and has been for the past several weeks, ever since Melvin Ingram joined that group and Chris Jones moved back inside full time. And frankly, since Frank Clark got healthy, this line has been beasting. Listen, the Chargers offensive line, aside from Rashawn Slater, who's been awesome at left tackle is, is bad. I mean, it's not good. It's not good. No. Now they have to take a guy who has played 100% of the snaps at a high level at left tackle, and they have three days to replace him. You know, what's really exciting, too, is the depth pieces on the D-line looked really good this week. Alex Okafor had a sack and a half, and Treshawn Wharton had a sack. So, I mean, it's not just Chris Jones up the middle and and pray for someone else. It's like their, their line is deep. They are all playing together. They're playing well. And, you know, when the line, we've talked about this, many, many times when the line gets pressure, that makes the secondary look so, so much better, which, you know, is, is the case on any football team, but this is where, you know, I don't know about Legereus Sneed. I know we'll, uh, um, we'll probably hear more of that as we get closer to Thursday, but even without Sneed out there this last week, the, the secondary just looks dominant right now. And that's because the defensive line is getting pressure and the quarterbacks don't have a lot of time to make their decisions. So it all kind of, it all kind of plays complimentary football on that defensive side of the ball. And then the offense, if they could just put up a couple touchdowns now, they're, uh, 
<laughs> they're doing what we ask them to do. It's crazy how that switched. Yeah, obviously, Legereus Sneed's brother was murdered, killed yeah. uh, in his hometown over the weekend, and so he missed the game on Sunday. No word yet if he's going to play on Thursday. He obviously is not hurt, so it's kind of just up to him whether he's in a place mentally and emotionally to come back. We'll talk about that more on Friday, I'm sure, which is a really sad situation. But uh, looking at the injury situation, um, the Chargers have some injuries of note. So first, um, Austin Eckler, their star running back, really good player for them. And obviously, I mean, he's a running back, but a guy that's very involved in the passing game and very involved in the red zone for them. He did not practice today. He left the game on Sunday against the Giants with an ankle injury. He has a sore ankle you know, Brandon Staley came out and said he could have gone back into the game on Sunday, and they obviously held him out. I mean, Brandon Staley didn't say this, but they held him out because it was the Giants, and they were beating the hell out of them, and it was a right. blowout, and they had to play the Chiefs. They had to turn around and play the Chiefs on Thursday. So that's load management for them, but he did not practice today. And Mike Williams, who was their number one wide receiver in the game on Sunday with Keenan Allen out on the COVID list, he did not practice today with a new heel injury. So You've got a couple of guys that uh, Keenan Allen does seeming he it seems like he's going to be back. He's likely to come off the COVID list in time for this game. Mm-hmm. But if Austin Eckler and or Mike Williams can't go in this game and Rashawn Slater is gone, oof, I mean, listen, Justin Herbert is awesome, but like, ah, good luck with that. And they're starting their two starting tight ends, Donald Parham and Jared Cook, both did not practice today with a knee and a quad. So, you know, some of that is load management for sure. Um, but they had Derwin James sit out the last game and probably in anticipation of playing against the Chiefs, but he is obviously not 100%. Asante Samuel Jr. sat out the last game, so they are more banged up. They're more more—they're not quite as Charger banged up as we're used to, especially this late in the year. I think that's one of the reasons they're 8-5 and five, is they haven't had literally every player on their team have some freak accident. But, um, you know, they're, they're not firing on all cylinders. They don't have all their weapons, and... I tell you, the, with the momentum of this Chiefs team, you better have everybody ready to play because uh, they certainly will. Yeah, Chiefs have come in, obviously, winning six straight. So turning over to the matchup side of things, obviously we don't have our updated DVOA rankings since we're recording this on a Monday night. But as of last week, the Chiefs were ninth in DVOA. We talked about that. You know, offense and defense for the Chiefs kind of going in opposite directions, although the offense showed up in a big way on Sunday. For the Chargers, they are a currently the second-best offense by DVOA, and I wouldn't expect that to go down after their performance against the Giants on Sunday. They were great. Herbert was very good. They're a below-average defense, which is surprising because Brandon Staley is a defensive coach, and they've got some very talented players, but just not the depth to run a competent defense. Their special teams, of course, is a disaster, yeah. and that is one thing that has remained consistent for the Los Angeles, San Diego, wherever Chargers for their entire history, or at least the last seven or eight years, 31st in the NFL and special teams DVOA. That is a matchup that you certainly can exploit. Yeah, and and it's you can exploit it in a number of ways, whether it's the return game, um, just their, their kickers. Like I mentioned in their kind of season recap, they haven't had consistent kicking. Obviously the chiefs are extremely confident in Harrison Bucker. So, I mean, it, it shows up all over the place. Um, 
And I think it's just one of those advantages that come up in these division games. Obviously, we talked about the Chargers just there, but remember the Raiders are 26th in special teams DVOA and the Broncos are 29th. And the Chiefs right now are neck and neck with the Ravens for first. They're second right now, but they're basically the best special teams team in the in the NFL. So it, it's a matchup that the Chiefs are going to need to win if they want to go on the road on a on a quick turnaround and and win a big division game they're going to have to get some big plays out of the special teams unit they're going to have to make sure that the offense doesn't go into just full turtle mode and just completely not be able to move the ball if they can just be average 2021 chiefs offense they should be okay but um they certainly cannot go out there and have a bad game plan i don't know we still haven't really figured out who's scripting these plays and who's calling them and, and how the offensive workload has gone, but um, they're going to need to get that sorted out in a big way. We'll talk about the performance, obviously against the Raiders in more detail on Friday, but Gus Bradley for the Raiders came out and former, <laughs> former defensive coordinator for the chargers came out and ran the exact same game plan that he ran against the chiefs four weeks ago. And had the exact same result, which is he actually ran less cover two this <laughs> week than he did last time. Which is the Chiefs beat the hell out of the Raiders and dropped almost 50 points on them. Uh, it was, in fact, their stats were almost identical in terms of EPA per play and EPA on first down and late downs, uh, as they were to the first game against the Raiders. So it still remains to be seen whether the Chiefs have the ability to beat a team that's going to run a lot of cover two shell, which is what the Chargers certainly will do. That is something that Brandon Staley did a lot with the Rams last year. He comes from the, you know, Vic Fangio tree, which is a weird thing to say because should Vic Fangio have a tree really? Right. But um, yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like, I feel like Brandon Staley's already like the, he's like the plant, like he's the, he's the, the offshoot that sort of has grown to, to take over the tree. Right. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. But, but, it still remains to be seen whether the Chiefs can beat that because there are only two major good offensive breakout performances in the last eight or nine weeks of both come against the Raiders and Gus Bradley running, you know, cover three and not doing what the rest of the league is doing to slow the Chiefs down. That being said, I felt like the execution for the Chiefs on Sunday was very much on point. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's one thing um, when guys aren't necessarily open or something, but if they're if they're open and Mahomes gets them the ball and they catch it, this offense moves. I mean, that sounds very basic, but that has not been happening a lot this year. He's been putting balls where they need to go sometimes, and the receivers just haven't come up with the plays, and they didn't drop any. They didn't let any pop up in the air and become an interception. In fact, they won the turnover battle 5 to nothing against the Raiders. So it was, uh, it was a clean game. It was a, a game where – the offense looked like they knew what they were doing. They had a good execution plan most of the day. And uh, after the opening punt, they just stacked touchdowns. And that's the thing that – that's what we've been talking about the potential for this team. Now, obviously, they're not going to beat everybody 48-9. to nine. But if the defense is firing and the offense is firing, they are the most physically dominant team in the NFL. They are the most complete team. They're the scariest team if both sides – are in sync. Now I'm sure a lot of fans feel that way about their team. I'm sure Bucks fans out there would say, yeah, well, if our offense and defense are killing it, we look like the best team too. But it just, it, the chiefs go to a different level when they're executing on offense and they just need to hopefully, you know, hopefully this is a momentum game and it's not a up and down and up and down. And this week they might execute and this week they won't, hopefully they're going to use that to build. And really if it's anything like the rest of the tenure of Andy Reid's career in Kansas city, like they're, 
the tendency for this offense is to execute. That's always been what they've prided themselves on. Their turnover differential has always been some of the best in the NFL in his time here. And I really do think that it was more of a blip when they were struggling than a trend. I agree. And of course, the Chiefs will have a chance to win this game. and They'll be in it no matter what because of their defense. The Chiefs defense, Taylor, is the first team since the 2014 Seattle Seahawks. Maybe you've heard of them. Legion of Boom to allow fewer than 10 points four times in a five game span. So we're talking about five games. They have allowed 10 points or fewer four times in a five game span. And the fifth game was 14. And first team to do that since the 2014 Seattle Seahawks, literally like one of the best defenses in NFL history. Mm -hmm. I I mean, that's crazy. It it is. And the turnaround has just been insane. And the fact that it hasn't been, there hasn't really been a blip since the Titans game. The Titans game, they lost 27-3. Nothing was working on either side of the ball. And then after that, they were great against the Giants, great against the Pack, great against everybody they played. They held the Cowboys without a touchdown, held the Broncos and the Raiders to nine points each. They've just been dominant. And, you know, it kind of feels like like the 2015 defense did, where every every week out, you expect the defense to perform well. You just you, – they're now – I can't believe I'm saying this in the same year that they looked like the worst defense of all time, but you really do expect them to carry the day. It's just, it's bizarre. Yeah. And, you know, we haven't even, we, we talked about the special teams, obviously, but the chiefs have a decided advantage on two sides of the ball here. It's weird to yeah. say the, the X factor is how the offense performs against the Isn't Chargers. Offense. Crazy? I mean, the Chargers offense is the Exception. unit that we don't match up as well against. But the Chiefs clearly have the advantage at the defensive side of the ball and on special teams. And you got to think, you know, listen, Brandon Staley's done a great job this year. I think he's a smart guy. The Chargers have had some up and down performances because they're the Chargers. And, you know, it's going to take more than, uh, you know, half a season for Brandon Staley, no matter how good he is, to coach that out of them. Mm -hmm. You got to, you can't, you can't take the Chargers out of the Chargers, right? (laughs) But, you know, Thursday night football, even understanding that it's it's on the road and the Chiefs have to go to Los Angeles, even understanding that that's not the hardest place to play, I'm sure there will be a lot of Chiefs fans in attendance, Definitely. maybe some of you listeners. And uh, if so, hit us up on Twitter, show us your pictures, show us your videos, cheer, be loud. But, you know, I feel like this is a spot where the Chiefs can really push a coaching advantage as well because this is still a rookie head coach and you know coming in and game planning i mean this isn't his first year in the nfl he obviously was the defensive coordinator for the rams last year he had a lot of authority he had a lot of responsibility but getting your team ready to play on a three-day turnaround in a divisional matchup you know against a team that you play twice a year that's a lot to ask and i know the chiefs are going to be prepared because they have veteran coaches. They have the pedigree. You know, for the Chargers to win this game would say a ton about the Chargers, but I really do feel confident that the Chiefs can bring home a victory on Thursday. I agree. This is a matchup of the five-time defending preseason AFC West champions versus <laughs> the five-time <laughs> defending AFC West champions. I mean, that's that's what this is. And the Chargers, they, they've always had the hype and they've always had the, the skill. And it's never materialized when it mattered most. And this is a, the type of game that, you know, if they want to change their their fortunes and if they want to change their trajectory as a franchise, they got to come out and win this game. They, the Chargers have to, have to, have to have this game. And 
if the Chiefs are going to continue their DNA of a championship caliber football team, and if the Chiefs are going to keep pressure on the number one seed, it's crazy that we're still talking about the number one seed, but they are right now tied with the Titans and the Patriots at nine and four, nine, yes. nine and four, nine and four. That's crazy. I, I said it and I'm like, no, we have to have lost more than four games because we were three and four. There's no way they go for three and four to nine and four, but that's what we're seeing. So that's what happens when you win six games in a row. That's what happens when you string them together. Uh, that's it's, math. It's going to be wild, and it's going to be another uh, primetime matchup. Mahomes in primetime. You know, he's always up for uh, always up for some showtime. It's going to be great. We'll see you guys on Friday. It's always sunny in Chiefs Kingdom.